You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. the online live stream audience know that you are here and you are glad to be here this morning. Can you just put your hands together? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I know some of you aren't vocal, some of you aren't clappers, and that's okay. If you're visiting us today, my name is Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor today, and uh, not just today, I guess uh, for now until the elders uh, decide uh, otherwise, but uh, so glad to see you all, and I've seen some unfamiliar faces, which I assume you're a guest today, so can we just applaud and welcome our guest today? (laughs) woo Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We really want to create space for anyone and everyone to be able to feel welcome to come here and to engage with God uh, in whatever way is comfortable to you. And uh, that's our biggest thing is we want you to be comfortable, but we don't want to overwhelm you. And that's why this big decision of opening our doors uh, during this crazy COVID season was a big decision. And so uh, if you did not join us either on live stream or in person last Sunday, There's something uh, to please note. There are sanitation stations right as you enter each uh, side of the sanctuary. There are stickers. Many of you are wearing them. We have a green, we have a yellow, we have a red, just like stoplights. And like so many of that, many of us don't really abide by those. So so, uh, (laughs) we're just asking you to be self-aware and sensitive to others around you. We want to love others as Christ would love them. And so the the green sticker, if you're wearing the green sticker, or honestly, if you're not wearing a sticker at all, you're considered green. Uh, If you're wearing a green sticker, you're okay with pre-COVID behavior. You're good with high fives and hugs. Uh, Yellow means that you're adhering to social distancing and would like to do an air five and an air hug if at all possible. Uh, and keep your six feet distance. Red means you are taking high precautions for risk, and we are going to truly respect you. That's why all the leaders out in the lobby, the greeters, we have these really cool elevation buffs, and um, we will have them around our necks. So if there is a yellow sticker wearing a mask or a red sticker wearing the mask, we will serve them and love them by putting the mask over our face. We're just asking everyone to meet every single person right where they're at. I believe that's the design of the church of the body of Christ. Don't you agree? And so we're going to serve each other, but I'm so thankful that we're able to finally get together. There is nothing, nothing, there's no substitute for getting together. Hebrews 10.25 says not to forsake the gathering of believers. Now we did that in the summer and it was wonderful, but there's nothing like just being home together. And so, uh, any, anyone knew this Sunday that didn't, wasn't here last Sunday that just, wow, the renovations uh, kind of were shocking? Isn't it awesome? Again, we want to create a space where God inhabits and encounters with people. Speaking of people, before we start the message today, which I'm really humbled and excited to share with you, I believe it's going to be life-changing for many, but family is very important to us. And we have a family here 
at Elevation Community Church, Justin and Hallie Brown and their three kids. They have found themselves in a season that they never, ever thought would be possible. And um, he's not able to be here. His wife is uh, not feeling well this morning. And you'll, you'll hear about it in a minute. Uh, the Brown family, they've been coming for about a year, a year and a half. They jumped right in, started serving. They were um, very faithful during the Night to Shine experience. And um, Hallie, two months ago, uh, discovered after many medical complications that she had cervical cancer. Um, she is in her very young 30s. I believe she might even be in her late 20s. Justin, you can text me and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they did not have medical insurance. Um, he's an independent contractor. And uh, after um, healthcare, uh, the last you know, 10 years uh, has gotten really expensive. They couldn't afford it. Uh, they sold their house and they are living with her parents uh, where her parents are able to take care of her right now. She is in treatment, treatments. She's in chemo. She is doing well. It's just the treatments. If anyone's been through cancer treatments, you know how difficult and challenging it is. So we want to do two things. Number one, we want to literally commit to prayer. Um, I would love to see if we could even commit to pray for the Brown family every day during the week, even if we need to do a sign-up list to make sure that people are praying every single day. That would be excellent. Zeke, could you get me a water, please? I'm a little raspy this morning. The second thing, the second thing we want to ask is we're not going to make a big deal of it. We're not even going to complicate it by giving to the church. Uh, they have a GoFundMe account through their Facebook. Literally, all you need to do is go on their Facebook to the GoFundMe account and drop a blessing. Just drop a blessing. Right now, they're up to around twelve dollars to $15,000. That is huge. But as you know, thank you, Zeke. Yeah, that is huge. You, you can shout for that. Um, but as you know, uh, chemotherapy is not cheap, right? And all the medical uh, uh, stays and different things like that. So we want to take this seriously. We want to surround our body and our family. When, when a body, when a part of the body is hurting, and Brent Smith, our worship director, can attest to this. He's had some teeth pain. And when one part of the body is hurting, guess what? The whole body feels it. And we are called the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. And then I'm going to ask you to either during the service, I'm totally fine if you pull out your cell phones, during the service or after the service, go ahead, go to their GoFundMe and drop a blessing. We are here at Elevation Community Church. We also are going to take from our tithe and we're going to uh, give a portion of that to the Brown family as well. So let's pray. King Jesus, we don't enter your throne room lightly. We know that because of what you did on the cross, because of your sacrificial substitutionary death, that we can boldly enter your throne room. I thank you, Lord, that the grave did not hold you down. The grave did not stop your kingdom work. For you resurrected and you conquered hell. You conquered death. You conquered the grave. And you tell us in Hebrews that we can boldly enter your throne. 
You tell us in John uh, 15 that if we abide in you and your words abide in us, that we can ask you whatever is upon our desires and you will grant it. And so, Father, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, right where they're watching in their home right now, that you would just overwhelm Justin and Hallie with your presence. I'm just going to challenge all of our people right now in the sanctuary. I want you just to go to battle, go into prayer right now. Just like right now, go to prayer for the Brown family. I don't want to be the one just leading the prayer. I want us all to trust God. And so go ahead and just join me and pray, whether out loud or in silence. God, we just ask, Lord, for a divine touch, a divine touch and healing, for you are able We don't understand everything, Lord, but you told us we don't have to understand everything. You told us to trust you. To trust you and to ask and not doubt. And we seek you, God. We ask you to be with the medical professionals. God, we ask you to have your way, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you, every believer in this place and watching, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would um, speak to our hearts in regards to the Brown family. Speak to our hearts, God. Show us what it is you long to do, and we trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And uh, I'll encourage you, hopefully, at the end of the service as well. Um, We are in the return series. We started last Sunday as we reopened. Uh, This is an exciting series. And obviously, what does return mean? It means to leave one place, to turn back to something or a person. And uh, we looked back. Uh, through the book of Ezra. If you have your Bibles here, please turn to Ezra 7 because we're going to go there in just a minute. But we kind of summarized Ezra chapter 1 through 6. Ezra actually means born in Babylon. He represents the remnant and the generation that was born in captivity when Babylon came in, invaded Jerusalem destroyed the temple, destroyed everything that they stood for, and took most of them into captivity. Well, about 50 years later, this man named Zerubbabel, did I say Ezra? I meant Zerubbabel means born in Babylon. Forgive me about that. Uh, Zerubbabel led the first wave of Jews into Jerusalem to do two major things. Number one, was to rebuild the altar of sacrifice and then to rebuild the temple. And we looked at those spiritual applications for us of being the temple of God and living out being a sacrifice for God in all that we do. And so I want to stop 
here before we go into chapter 7 because I don't want to miss two major key themes throughout the entire Old Testament. I would even challenge you that it's as important, it's so important that I would challenge you to write it down. Number one, here is the first big thing. It's religious versus relational. You know, we, we read the Old Testament and we see all of the religious sacrifices and the routines and all these festivals and all these feasts and all this religious activity and we think that's just crazy. Well, there was a divine purpose for the religious system in the Old Testament. We need to look, number one, is that everything in the Old Testament, especially all of the prophecies that point to God's solution to save us from our sin, all of them point to Jesus Christ. All of them. This is where a lot of the Jewish people are still in darkness. They're still waiting for Yeshua, the Messiah, and he's already come. And they haven't discovered it yet, but there is a remnant of Jews, Messianic Jews, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, and their Old Testament teaching all of a sudden is fulfilled through Jesus. And so all of this religious activity, structure, and systems were to point to a heavenly model that would be fulfilled by Jesus himself. That's number one. So when you're reading the Old Testament, you might want to ask, what does this point to Jesus? How does this point to the coming Messiah? A lot of it is he's going to fulfill it in order to bring a new covenant, not a law, but a covenant of relationship. And so that's religious versus relationship. Now that Jesus has brought the new covenant, we don't necessarily need the religious system of sacrifice and, and religious festivals. However, we do have Christmas and we do have Easter, so um, we're still kind of following that. But it's all about relationship through Jesus. Now that the Messiah has come, now that Jesus has fulfilled all of the requirements for sin, for the, for the covering of the penalty of our sin, we can now have relationship with him. If you're thankful that you can have relationship with God through Jesus, could you just kind of peek your, your hand up? Amen. I know it's a quiet first service. It's okay. But it's also okay to agree and kind of interact with me as well. Thank you. <laughs> it gets lonely up here, y'all. Number two, number two, all of these religious systems that God ordained and commanded the people of Israel to put into practice, this is so important. This will bring the Old Testament to life to you. It was always to remind them. Can you say remind? Remind, remind. It was a reminder. It was a reminder of who they were. Every time they did a festival, every time they did a feast, every time they went to the temple for prayer, every time they made a sacrifice, every time they put something on the, their forehead, or they did different things that we're going to look at in a minute, it was to remind them of who they are and what God says about them. 
It was all about identity. And can we be honest? Not much has changed today. Several thousand of years later, only time and space looks a little different, right? But nothing has changed. We are all seeking identity. Don't believe me? One of the most successful businesses right now is the Ancestry DNA. You see commercials on it. There's different companies. There's different businesses doing their own thing. You send in a swab of DNA, and they send you back this document of, of some of your siblings and some of family members that maybe you never knew, and you knew that uh, you know Martin Luther King or someone else is, is, is your descendants, and you, you see where your descendants came from, and it, it really does help a lot of people understand who they are, but not my mom. My mom has, get this, 18 brothers and sisters. She has 18 brothers and sisters. Now, some of them are step and half, but still, 18 brothers and sisters. She makes 19. And all her life, she was the only one that never knew who her biological daddy was. No one would tell her. Her mother kept it a secret, even to the grave. She took DNA tests. She could not find her biological daddy. To this day, she doesn't know for sure who her biological dad is. Do you realize what that does to a person when they don't know where they come from? Every day of her life, she always questioned, who's my dad? What is he like? Do I talk like him? Do I think like him? Do I look like him? Who is he? And you always have this sense of loneliness and being outside and not belonging. Identity is everything. Every single human being that is breathing today has an innate craving and desire within them to the core to know who they are. And God has given us his word. In the Old Testament was the Torah. But God has given us a design, and he's asked us to put into practice his word so that we remember who we are. Do you realize in our society that identity is everything? Anxiety, depression, on and on and on can be referenced back to not knowing truly who you are. Can you today look in the mirror and know who you are in God's eyes? Do you know what God says about you? If the answer is not really, that means you are going to be challenged with every wave of thought from media, social media, from books that you read, from talk shows that you listen to. From what people say, you're going to be bombarded with thoughts of identity that are not God's thoughts and words about you. The battle is real. 
And so today, I want to talk about returning to creating the right rhythms based on the word of God. Can you say return to the right rhythms? Can you all say it with me? Ready? Return to the right rhythms. To the right rhythms. To the right rhythms. Rhythms are everything. Rhythms are waves that keep us connected. Rhythms are waves that keep us in sync. Rhythms are waves that keep us grounded. Rhythms are waves that often guide us into the direction where we need to go. Rhythms give us security and stability. That's why a band always needs a drummer, right, Mark? Amen? Yeah, absolutely. Rhythms are essential. And so we're going to talk about today about creating the right rhythms based on God's word. And we're going to look at Ezra 7 as an example of that. So just like in Ezra's time, as they returned back to God and created rhythms that remind them of who they are, it is absolutely important for all of us to be careful and intentional in what rhythms we build our life on to remind us of who we are. And I'm just going to put it out there, everybody. I can see most of you. This is going to get a little uncomfortable for some because I'm just going to speak truth of how God has convicted my heart of one of the biggest issues in the Christian church today is people not living by the rhythms of the word of God. We don't know the word of God. We have young believers, believers who have been believers for 50 years and still can't tell you what God says about them, still can't tell you about their heavenly identity. And we wonder why they're still struggling back and forth and they're being tossed like a wave in an ocean back and forth. It's because they have never been taught and equipped and given the resources through the word of God to create those rhythms that ground them, that guide them, and that give them life and hope. Are you with me? We, if you think you can't relate to rhythms based on the word of God, we create rhythms every day. Think about the rhythms you had this morning. Think about the rhythms. Usually many of you eat the same breakfast at the same time every morning. You do the same thing. You usually go out, turn on the Keurig, right? Turn on the coffee. Get your coffee running. Go take a shower. Go brush your teeth. Hopefully you do that. And then you come on out and you Either you get dressed or do whatever. Some of you exercise. Many of us starting school. How was the first week of school? Great. Excellent. (laughs) That good. Wow. Um, Anyways, getting ready for school. School is all about rhythms. Rhythms that work for the teachers in the classrooms. Especially during all these precautions. What about bedtime? What about dinner time? All of us have rhythms. Rhythms. And it's it's really important to understand that the rhythms we create usually are the rhythms we follow. And the rhythms we follow often dictate and determine what we think about ourselves and how we respond to everything happening in our world. So... Let's even do an illustration for a minute. 
I need everybody, especially the kids, I need you to repeat after me. I'm going to clap a rhythm, and I want you to repeat after me, and hopefully you will start to recognize the rhythm. So let's do the first one. Let's do the first one. So we got... Okay, complete the rhythm. Let's try it again. Your first service, it's okay. Com I said repeat after me. <laughs> repeat after me. So I was wrong. Finish the rhythm. Oh, okay. Sorry, guys. Wrong communication. Okay, ready? Wow. I didn't even have to tell you that. Now, a lot of teachers in school, I had several of them, they would do a rhythm like that, and the kids then echo. What does that tell the kids? It says, shut up, right? Or let's be quiet, focus. The teacher is going to speak. We need to all direct our attention up front, right? So that's one rhythm. Here's another one that brings us into the sports realm. So this may be a little bit more complicated. But it goes like this, finish the rhythm. Where are you? You're watching a Reds game or you're at a baseball game, right? You're getting ready for take me out to the ball game. You're cheering on your team and you start clapping like that. And everybody who's in the stadium learns that rhythm. Let's try another one. Repeat after me this time. Ready? Okay. Get it? What is it? Jingle bells. We're ready for Christmas, aren't we? Put you in that mind. Some of you are already thinking about your Amazon Christmas list right now. Thinking about it, right? It puts you in that spirit. It puts you in that mind frame. Rhythms, rhythms keep you in sync. They ground you. They guide you. And they give you what you need. God's word is the only rhythm that we should be building our lives upon. God's word is the only rhythm that will never fail us, never mislead us, never lie to us. God's word is eternal, and we're going to look at God's word today and see what God has for us. There's a quote that I came across this week, and I absolutely agree with this. When God's people enter new uncertain times, are we at, have we entered new uncertain times? Uh, yeah. Uh, that's when we really need to be reminded of who we are. When God's people enter uncertain times and new times, that's when we really need to be reminded of who we are, friends. During this COVID uncertain new season, has your identity in Christ grounded you, guided you, and given you what you need through this time? Yes, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear because that's what God wants. He wants us to build our lives according to his word. And so I want to look just real quick at Ezra 7. To look at what happens, and then we're going to kind of take an application of what that means for us today. Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. Here's an interesting fact. Ezra 
1 and 6 and happens about 50 years after captivity in Babylon. Then we jump to Ezra 7, and Ezra 7, between 6 and 7, there's a 50-year gap between Zerubbabel leading the first wave, building the altar, building the temple, and then Ezra leading the second wave. There's a 50-year gap, okay? So we see Ezra now called by the Lord, given permission by the king to lead the second wave of Israelites or Jews from Babylon to Jerusalem for one key purpose, and we're going to find it. This Ezra, we find from Ezra, uh, actually Ezra means Yahweh, to instruct in Yahweh. It means help. Yahweh helps. Yahweh helps. And so Ezra is all about helping people return back to Yahweh. Isn't that cool? Isn't it awesome that God knows your name and he knows your calling and your purpose even before you're a thought? It's amazing to me. And so Ezra 7 verse 6 says he was a scribe, a writer of the Torah, who was well versed in the law of Moses, which is the Torah, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon and the king gave him everything he asked for because the gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. So Ezra, passionate, committed, skilled writer and teacher of the law, the Torah, comes to Jerusalem and begins to return all of the Israelites to the teaching and the living out of the word of God, the Torah. What is the Torah? The Torah are the books of Moses. So from Genesis to Deuteronomy, that's the Torah, okay? That is the Torah. It instructs them of who they are and how they're supposed to live as God's people. So Ezra's sole purpose on leading the second wave of Jews was to teach them and bring a renewal to Jerusalem based on the teaching of the word of God. How did they do this? Simple. Rhythms. Rhythms. They didn't just have classes all the time and teach all the people. They created and they went back to rhythms that reminded them of God, what he said, and who they were. That is so important to know. It's because it's all about rhythms. Don't believe me, let's read Deuteronomy. See where you can find the rhythms, okay? And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Jews to this day still have this little box that they put on during the day and during their prayers so that it's on. They literally take that and do that. Literally tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as, say that word, reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your homes and on your property gates. 
That's rhythms created to remember who you are. So we need to return to the right rhythms. Returning to the right rhythms of Scripture play a central role all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament of who God's people are. It is a reminder, it is a guide, and it grounds them. You see, you can't live a life that honors God. I think if I took a poll and asked everybody who really wants to honor God, there would be probably 95% of us that raise our hands, if not all of us, right? Well, you can't live a life that honors God if you don't know and understand his word, his law, his instructions, his love letter, his design for your life. And now you can't obey the word of God if you don't know it and value it. You only follow the things that you value and that you see or perceive as truth. And in order to truly know and understand and obey the word of God, you need to know the God who breathed the word. In order to know and understand and obey the word of God, you need to know the God who breathed the word. You need to also know the word in John 1. Jesus is the word. We need to know and have relationship with the God who breathed out the word and inspired the word. Don't believe me? Let's look at 2 Timothy in the New Testament. Verse, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Read along with me. Wherever you're at, you don't have to do it out loud, but all scripture is, can we just read the, the yellow out loud? Would you do that for me? Here we go. All scripture is, and is, us what is true, and to make us what is wrong in our lives. It, when we are wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do Every good work. Sound like rhythms to you? These are rhythms of the word of God to teach us, to correct us, to convict us, to prepare us. For what? To do his will. Let's look at another one. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and is wise... Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in, torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it, because it is built on the bedrock, it is built on the cornerstone. But anyone who, my teaching and doesn't obey, is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it, with a, Jesus' words. You see, if you're not building your life on the rhythms of God's word, you are building on faulty foundation. And when the storms of life come, like this COVID season, 
and like the Brown family. When news comes from the doctor or news comes like Veronica Grable, her brother just passed away. And news comes in that you're either not expecting or it just hits you like a wall of bricks. It is the word. It is the rhythms that you build your life off of that are either going to hold you up or send you crashing down. My friends, it's so important. It's so important. I don't want you to feel condemned or guilty if you have not built your life on the word, but th today is such a great starting point. You can start today. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. You can start today. Maybe your marriage has hit rock bottom. Guess what? You can start building on the word of God today. Maybe you are in so much debt and you have just been such a poor a manager of your money and your resources. Guess what? You can start today building your life and how you do your finances on the word of God today. Many of you are sick. You're struggling with, with illness. Maybe it's a, a emotional illness uh, whatever it is, you can start today by building on the truth of God in your life today. You see the right rhythms, and I've said these three words to kind of get them in your brain before you see them on the screen, but they ground you. God's word grounds you, especially for when things happen in our lives that want to take us down. It grounds us. It guides you, and it gives you whatever the word of God is giving you in that season. It gives you peace. It gives you assurance. It gives you convictions. It equips you to obey God. I want to give you two scriptures. I want to give you a thought on these scriptures, and then I have three questions for us. I just want to kind of give you the length that is left. Here's where it gets a little thick here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says Matthew 7, but it's supposed to be 1 John, so I apologize for that. Loving God, so if you want to love God, that actually means to obey his commandments. If you don't obey his commandments, John says, then you don't love God. You need to love God. There's a bluegrass song that I love, it says, if you don't love your neighbor, then you don't love God. <laughs> Loving your neighbor is obeying his commands. You can't love God if you don't know how to love other people. You can't love God if you don't know his commands to follow in, his life, in your life. We need to know the word. We need to know the word. Proverbs 22 says this. Most of you parents have heard this a time or two. It says this. Train up a child in a way he should go. Even when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Now, this is a promise from God. But I think we get this promise wrong. We think that if we just bring our kids to church, if we just bring our kids to church and drop them off in Sunday school, that we're training them up in the way of the Lord. You couldn't be more deceived, friends. Parents, you couldn't be more deceived. Because what you need to do is look at the rhythms in your child's life from day to day. 
Are they living out rhythms that remind them of who they are in God? One day a week is not going to cut it. We need to take a serious look in the rhythms that we are consistently training our kids in. Hello, anyone with me? Get this statistic. 75%, 75% of all Christian teens in America, 75% of Christian teens in America live their, uh, leave their faith when they leave their home. 75% leave their Christian faith when they leave their home. Why? Why, why, why? That is the biggest question that all of us should be asking for our, the next generation. Why? No rhythm that draws them to Christ. There are no consistent rhythms that ground them, that guide them, and that give them what they need for life and godliness. And so they get bombarded with the world. They get barred, bombarded with philosophies and theories and different theologies, different sexualities. Whatever you want truth to be, it is truth for you. And they cannot stand against it is because they built their life on sand of the wrong rhythms that don't lead them to understand who they are in God. Anyone convicted this morning? <laughs> it's crazy. But it's true. I don't know if you know this, but right now, statistically, the American church is in decline. Do you know why it's in decline? I think I have one of the answers. Is we have put all of the rhythms that God has given us to live out our lives for him out of our identity in the word of God. We've taken all those rhythms and we put them in one hour of one day during the week, Sunday. Am I wrong? And we wonder why the church is in decline, y'all. We wonder why people aren't sharing the gospel to those in the grocery line, to those on the side of the road, Sean Cragwell, those who are in need, those who are asking for money, those at your workplace, those in your school. It's because you're not grounded and guided by the word of God. Guys. We have to create rhythms that are grounded in the word of God. The spiritual thermostat of your family and your kids and your grandkids is in the balance. And it will be determined by the rhythms you create that ground and guide them in the word of God. So here are some applications as the band comes up. Here's a question I have for you. I want you to ponder it. I challenge you today, as you get in your cars to leave, talk about this. Reflect on it. Don't argue about it. Just talk about it. How are you consuming the word of God? Now, I'm going to pop a bubble right away. Those of you who do not like reading, 
or don't enjoy reading, like myself, I am not a reader. Does it mean that you need to be spending two hours in the written word? No. You need to be in the word. But how you get the word of God is going to look different for one person to the next. Let me give you some examples. Many of you like to carve out two hours in your day just to sit and read the word. Well, what about listening to it? You can download different apps to take in and listen to the word of God on your commute to and from work. Listen to the word of God. Consume it. There are Bible apps everywhere. There's one Bible app, the version, that gives you reading plans that you can follow, and then you can even invite others to keep you accountable. That's, it's incredible. I mean, we have it at the touch of a hand. Messages are on YouTube that you can listen to. Music. Can music be the word of God? Now, don't twist my words, but a lot of the right songs that we listen to and that we worship to are grounded and created out of the word of God. Are you consuming the word in everything you do? What about your media? What are you watching? What are you watching? What are your kids watching? There is a resource I'll offer to you on YouTube. It's called The Bible Project. The Bible Project, it's for kids and adults, and it teaches the Word of God with illustrations. What about dinner time? What about bedtime? Mom and Dad, are you praying with your kids? Are you asking them questions for them to ponder about Jesus? Or are you just waiting till Christmas and Easter to tell them that story? Parents, I think it was our elder, Greg Dolby, during Father's Day, he said, fathers, just know that when your kid is going into kindergarten or when they're really young, you blink just a couple times and they're leaving your home. They're graduating high school. Guys, what are you going to invest in your kids before they get that diploma and head out of your door? What rhythms are you going to create for their lives that ground them in God's word and what God says about them? And what rhythms are you going to create that are going to guide them in all truth? And when they're bombarded with lies and they're bombarded with things that lead them away from God's heart, they're going to be able to combat it with truth. And so the last question, I, or the second question I have for you is this. How are you seeing growth from the rhythms you have set? Are you seeing growth through the time that you're spending in the Word? Are you seeing growth in your life by the time you're spending in prayer and worship? Are you seeing growth in your kids by the rhythms you're creating? Just take an inventory. Parents, it's our responsibility to do that. And last but not certainly least, what needs to change? What needs to change? Maybe it's you need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Do you realize that that's available to you today for free? All you have to do is say, God, I believe in your son, Jesus. Jesus, I need you to set me free. 
I need you to come and save me from my sin. Come and have your way, Jesus. Be my Savior. And when someone sincerely, genuinely prays that and cries out to God, something extraordinary and supernatural happens. Through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and makes you new. And Jesus consumes you and lives in you, dwells inside of you, so that we can understand the Word of God. You need the Holy Spirit to understand the Word. What needs to change, friends? Mom and Dad, what needs to change Monday through Saturday? Only you and the Lord can answer that. So I'm asking the band to lead us into worship, but this first song, I'm asking you to stay seated. Why? I want you to respond and meet with God. I want you to listen to the words of this song and let it minister to you. I want you to repent to God. Ask for forgiveness for the wrong rhythms at the wrong time in your life. Seek God. And when you sincerely seek the face of God, he promises that you will be found by him. And so let's seek God and worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.